This morning I'm reading Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, and then Matthew 11, 2 through 11. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy, and they've rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then Matthew. When John heard in prison about the Messiah, what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense against me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Scott, for reading our scripture this morning. Good morning. Merry almost Christmas. My name is Emily. I'm one of the pastors here. And as Pastor Jeff mentioned a while ago, Christmas Eve, two weeks away. Is that crazy? Two weeks away. I cannot wait, though, to celebrate Christmas Eve with all of you at 10 and 4 and 7. You can come to all three. 10 and 4 and 7 are the times of our services that day, and I look forward to spending Christmas Eve with you. Pastor Jeff kicked us off last week in our new sermon series called Christmas Playlist. We are looking at the scripture and stories behind some of the most popular Christmas carols that we sing. The idea behind the sermon series is that songs get stuck in our heads, right? For better or worse. So why not make it for better? Why not make that a blessing? May the songs of Christ be the ones that are stuck in our heads this Christmas and the ones that never let us go. Will you pray with me? 
God of grace and God of mercy, God of compassion and love. We come today to adore you, to worship you as Christ our Lord. Lord, we also come with our hearts open and pray that you would speak to all of us. And Lord, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, for you are our rock, our refuge, and our redeemer, and it is in your name that we pray. As all of God's people said, amen. Well, there's a story I've told here before, and I decided late last night that it would be a good time to tell that story again. It's a story that's very similar to one that uh, Wayne Muller tells in a book called Sabbath. It's about a man who was feeling stressed and overwhelmed on overload at work, on overload at home. He was stressed about his marriage. It's not bad. It's not good. His kids were having trouble at school. He started to have a few health issues with some of his joints from all those athletics he did when he was a teenager. And his parents are starting to need more and more help. And he feels like he really wants to be there if he can. He's also been kind of in and out with church. It hasn't been a priority for a while, but it still means something to him. Add all that up together, and he's feeling like he's uh, not quite sure he can hold everything together anymore. So when his church publicized a men's retreat coming up, he and his wife decided uh, probably he should go. So he signed up and he went, and one of the exercises that the leaders challenged him to do was to spend time at a potter's wheel so he sat down one afternoon it was a little awkward at first it's something strange he'd never done it before this mess of lumpy stuff and he got the wheel going and it took a while but he kind of got the hang of it and he put that lump of clay in the center of the wheel and he started to stretch it and stretch it some more and stretch it some more and then finally it collapsed and he brought it all back to center And he started again, stretching it just a little bit and stretching it a bit more, a bit more and a bit more. And then it collapsed and he brought it back to center again. Finally, he got so frustrated with all of this that he quit, (laughs) stopped. When the retreat was over, he went home, thought maybe he would go back to that men's small group that he'd been a part of off and on over the years. He sat with them. He was telling them about what was going on in his life. And then he said, there's this weird thing that happened at the men's retreat, right? I want to tell you about it. So he starts telling them about it. And those men said something to him in return. They said, that clay is you. You, like the clay, are being stretched and stretched. And it's time to come back to center. Isn't it funny how our friends sometimes know us better than ourselves? They said everything in your life is stretching you right now and you feel like you are going to collapse and it is beyond what you can bear and you need to return to center. Because we know Christ wants to hold all of this with you and be with you in it because we do too. 
there are times in our lives when our need to sit and be with Christ and be still is something that we feel deep in our bones. And it's usually when we, like the clay or like that man, are being stretched more than what we can handle. And this time of year, it feels like all that gets ramped up even more. I, uh, husband and I have a tradition in our home. And when we set up all the manger scenes around the house, I started several years ago turning all of the figures toward the manger. Because before we had them like looking out into the living room or looking out in the kitchen like, hey, look at the people walking around. And I was thinking, there's Jesus right there in the manger with them. Why aren't they facing him? So I've started turning all of the characters around so that they all face the manger. Returning to center, my hope is that it also reminds me to turn and return to the center too. In fact, let's do it today. We're going to pull the manger out and set it here in the middle of the sanctuary. If you're joining us online, I invite you to have a manger from one of your uh, nativity sets at home and pull that out with you for our worship time together today. Because Jesus invites us to come here, to meet him here, to return to center here in him, in the midst of all that is going on in our lives because he wants to be and is with us in it. Last week we sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. That's a song we sing to Jesus. This week we sang, O come, all ye faithful. That's a song we sing to the church. And we meet here in the middle and return again and again to come and adore Christ our Lord. Our song for the playlist this morning, we just sang, O come all ye faithful. This carol is full of good and rich theology. I believe they're going to post the words to it online in the chat. And if you're here in the sanctuary, you can pull out the hymnal. It's page 234, easy number to remember. If you want to look at all six stanzas, I think we only sing a couple of them in our modern version of the hymn. But all six stanzas, they're full of some good and rich theology if you want to check it out. The verses of this traditional hymn describe Jesus for us, who is our center and our savior in language that comes straight from scripture, in language that comes straight from one of the two primary creeds of the Christian church. This language is what we call high Christology, meaning that it emphasizes the divinity of Jesus, who is both fully human and fully divine. And there are different stories about the origin of the carol. I'll give you the abbreviated version, which is that John Francis Wade wrote the music and the lyrics in Latin in the 1740s. And about a hundred years after that, Reverend Frederick Oakley translated most of it into English. And a nice side note here that Reverend Oakley is known for his ministry with the poor. Oh, come all ye faithful. It's a birth announcement for the Christ child and it is all about worship of him calling us to come and turn our lives our focus toward Christ 
The six stanzas call for the children of God and the shepherds to come to Bethlehem, here to the cradle, to the manger to meet our Lord. It calls the faithful of every generation to come with our hearts and with our footsteps. It calls the angels to sing. It gives beautiful names for Jesus. King of angels, Christ the Lord, true God of true God, light from light eternal, son of the father. The sixth stanza quotes directly from the gospel of John, chapter one, verses one through 18, saying Jesus is no less than the word of the father now in flesh appearing because Jesus is the incarnation of God. The second stanza is the one that takes language from the creed, the Nicene Creed, written over 1,700 years ago. You can also find that in that hymnal, if you're curious, page 880. The second stanza, like the Nicene Creed, describes Jesus as true God of true God, light from light, begotten not made. This hymn is good theology. The carol also points us to other scriptures to which I invite you to turn. Passages that are also birth announcements describing our Savior, our Center, our Lord. Scott read one for them, one of them for us today, Isaiah chapter 9. I invite you to turn there too in your Bibles. These verses announce the birth of a child who is a gift from God. The passage comes from the period of the 8th century BCE, some 700 years before the birth of Christ. It was a time of war and conflict. The Assyrian Empire was a dominating threat. Ahaz was king of Judah, and like Pastor Jeff told the story last week, the leaders of Israel and Syria are forming a coalition against the Assyrian Empire, and they want Ahaz to join them. Ahaz refuses. Then those two nations turn against him. Meanwhile, the Assyrian Empire continues to conquer territory, and Ahaz is caught between a rock and a hard place as he is surrounded, and the people are in the midst of oppression and war and violence. Verse 2 describes this as a time of deep darkness. Verse 4 speaks of the oppression with images of a yoke, a rod, and a bar across their shoulders. And some scholars state that in Isaiah's time and culture, these verses announce the birth of a new crown prince, or Hezekiah, in whom the people put a lot of hope as an end to their suffering. Scholars also see similarities between the time of Isaiah and the time of Christ. In the 8th century B.C., it's the Assyrian Empire that's the threat. In the 1st century, in Jesus' time, it is the Romans. And when we as Christians read this passage, we have for centuries seen Jesus as the fulfillment of it. As the fulfillment of the birth announcement within it, you might say that Isaiah did not know the name of the one who had ultimately come to be light in anyone's darkness. But now, thanks be to God, we know his name. And that name is Jesus Light from light, eternal, word of the Father, Christ our Lord. Isaiah 9 describes how Jesus will fill that hope. He will be the one to lighten the burdens of the world. In verse 4, it says the yoke and rod of oppression will be broken. Verse 5, the war clothes and boots will be burned because they will not be needed for war anymore. 
and we will know the names made familiar by the music of Handel's Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Therefore, that hymn says, O come, all ye faithful, to worship and adore Christ the Lord. Return to center, it says, for our hope is in this Jesus. There's a second passage that Scott read today. This one from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. And it has a different way of describing who Jesus is, the one we come to worship and adore. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist sends his students to ask Jesus if he really is the Messiah, the one. And that sounds strange. Because earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 3, John the Baptist does not seem to have those questions. He was a prophet who had the daunting privilege of baptizing Jesus Christ. John was a major figure at the time, telling people to repent and prepare the way and get ready for the Messiah and the beginning of the ministry of Jesus However, by the time we get to Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison. And it sounds like he's having doubts about Jesus and who he really is. I imagine prison might make a person question a lot of things. Or maybe it wasn't working out quite like John the Baptist had thought. So John sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he is the real Messiah or if they should wait for someone else to come. John the Baptist does not denigrate. Jesus does not denigrate John the Baptist for asking the question. Neither does he directly answer John's question. Nor does he point to scripture. What he does is honor John the Baptist with his words. And Jesus then points to his life. To answer the question, John will have to decide for himself based on the evidence that Jesus gives. What Jesus says simply is tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind have sight. The lame walk. The lepers are healed. The deaf hear. What is dead comes to life and the poor receive good news. Jesus' life is light in the darkness. And for many, as in Isaiah 9, that it seems should be enough to answer John's questions. I think that story is helpful to hear this time of year. You may be wondering who Jesus is too. And that's okay. That's normal. You're in good company. Even John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus the Christ had questions. We all have questions and doubts sometimes. And Jesus says to John, look at my life and it will help answer the questions. No matter what our darkness is, prison, addiction, financial struggles, or something larger, like systemic injustice or corruption or the overload of life and stress that is hard to manage or being pulled and stretched in a thousand different directions. Whatever our burdens are, Jesus is the light that breaks into what is dark. Born to lighten the burdens we carry. 
because he comes alongside to carry them for us, carry them with us, be with us in it. And we come to adore him for he is Christ the Lord. How do we adore Christ the Lord? We sang that over and over in the song, if you noticed. That tends to happen in a lot of modern Christian worship songs, right? You have one phrase, you sing it over and over and over again. It's kind of fun, we get the point that way. (laughs) So we just sang about 25 times, adore Christ the Lord. Thank you, Preston. What does that look like, right? When we adore Christ the Lord. What is that? Brothers and sisters, that's worship. That is worship. It's turning to the manger, wondering how God could love us so much to come and be with us in this vulnerable way. Worship is also looking at the cross, wondering how in the world Christ could love us so much to die for us in that way. Worship is singing like we just did in praise to the Lord. Worship is sitting in prayer, laying everything out before Christ. Worship is also silence. Listening as God speaks to us. Worship is a life. It's making a difference in the world. Through something like Angel Tree and mission trips and helping our neighbors and helping at the cold weather shelter and loving our neighbors, loving everyone well. Worship is reading scripture. Worship is that small group Worship is hearing in scripture the love of the Lord in its pages. Worship is this and so much more. The carol says over and over, oh, come, let us adore him. So we're going to do that today. Like the man's friends told him, return to the center and take Sabbath time with Christ. It's a rainy day, right? It's a great time to rest It's a great time to focus on our relationship with God. It's a great time to spend dedicated time with Jesus. Rest in him today. Maybe it's been a while and we don't know where to start. Get that manger out. Put it somewhere where you see it every single day. Turn your heart, your life to the Lord. Invite Christ to speak to you through it. Sabbath time, when we set aside this time for God, gives stress less control in our lives. And it reminds us that we're not the ones in charge. So we're going to do it, okay? Right now, we're going to try this. We're going to take a deep breath and we're going to let it out. Let's count to four and breathe in and count four and breathe out. This is like a, a wonderful breath prayer practice. Would you join me? And be reminded that Christ is the Lord. There's a practice called a breath prayer, and I want to try it today with you. That's when you say words as you inhale. And say words as you exhale. It's all part of a prayer. So as you breathe in, I invite you to say the word Abba. That was Jesus' name for God. That's about his relationship with God, how close they are. And then as you breathe out, say, I belong to you. And then we're going to breathe in and say, Jesus. And then breathe out and say, I belong to you. And then we're going to breathe in and say, Holy Spirit. 
And then we're going to breathe out and say, I belong to you. It sounds like a lot to remember, but it's going to be easy. Will you pray with me? Abba, I belong to you. Jesus, I belong to you. Holy Spirit, I belong to you. May we come and adore Christ the Lord. Come with your questions. Come with your doubts. Come with all the mess of anything going on in your life. Come with anything that resembles darkness. And come to the light. Light of light. Light eternal. God with us. Emmanuel. Christ is coming to fill the manger. Christ is coming to fill our hearts. Let us take time on this rainy day to adore Christ the Lord and know that you are not alone. The wheel keeps spinning and you can always return to center because Christ is always with you. Amen. And amen.